0: Hey guys, welcome back to another Kenobi Breakdown. Today we're going to be covering episode 4 of 6, which means we only have 2 episodes left. And thanks to everyone who showed up at the watch party last night, I had an awesome time as usual, and I'll see you all next week. Now, I of course have a lot to say about this episode, and I will keep my thoughts until the very end. Maybe sprinkle it in here or there with the breakdown, but we have quite a bit to cover, so let's get to the breakdown now. Now. So right off the bat, Kenobi wakes up in a hazy daze as he's off of Mapuzo and with the Game of Thrones lady. This was a perfect opportunity to see Vader and Anakin Clone Wars flashbacks, then taking us right into him being thrown into the Bacta tank. If they didn't want to do Clone Wars flashbacks in the Bacta, then I think leading to that moment where he was kind of out of it would have been a really good time. Now, somehow Vader actually let Kenobi go and the fire stopped him. So I guess this sort of confirms it unless they want to reveal that, you know, maybe Vader didn't try and do that in episode five and six when he explains, I let you live or I let you go so that you would feel the torment of pain or something. But if this is really the case that he actually let Kenobi go because the fire stopped him, then, well, I'm really gonna have something to say about it once the show is done. As Kenobi is put into the bacta tank, which accelerates his healing of burn wounds from Vader's carnage, he seems to be connecting with Vader at the same moment who is in a bacta tank himself. Now if Vader is not on the field, he is always in his bacta tank. His immense physical pain is something that is only somewhat subsided when he's in his bacta. This is why his skin looks a bit more healed and refined by the time Return of the Jedi rolls around when Luke saves his father compared to now. Vader and Kenobi seem to be sensing one another, and it seems that they each have their emotions linked or triggered by thoughts of the other. I think this would have been a great time to see Vader remembering fighting Obi-Wan, maybe a new angle of him reaching out for Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Just as Obi-Wan is seeing what Vader just did to him, you know, we could see Vader's point of view as well, perhaps of dramatic things that happened to him with Kenobi. So they get out of the Bacta, and they speak to Roken about where Leia is. Roken talks about how the Inquisitors found his wife for being Force-sensitive or a Jedi, and they took her too, so he understands Kenobi's pain. Roken figures out that she, Leia, is at the Inquisitor's stronghold, which is in the middle of the ocean on the Nur Moon in the Mustafar system. They recognize this as Vader's system, which I guess is the first time that Kenobi hears of it, and I would have loved to have seen a reaction from him about Mustafar. So they decide to head over to the Inquisitor's HQ and save Leia. Great story so far, I'm down with it. I think it's super fun and cool. Reva interrogates Leia, telling her that she knows of a safe house of Jedi in two star systems. She suspects Leia of knowing this information after telling her Obi-Wan died from Vader's hand. Now, I'm not sure why Reva thinks that Leia would know anything about anything as she's just the senator's daughter maybe she thinks Leia overheard the adults talking or something but I find it a little bit strange Game of Thrones lady tries her Imperial commanding officer uniform and gets into the computers to open the big door allowing Kenobi to enter in a similar fashion as we did in Jedi Fallen Order Kenobi takes out some of the stormtroopers and moves in Reva mind probes Leia and it's ineffective and I absolutely loved this scene. I thought it was awesome that she resisted Reva without even really trying or knowing what the force is. It just goes to show how powerful the Skywalker bloodline is and how strong Luke and Leia are even at this early age of 10. Reva talks again about how the Jedi took something from her, and now I'm really starting to believe that she only wants to get up in the ranks of Inquisitor or Grand Inquisitor because she wants to learn more about a lost brother or someone that she was close to. I feel her over-obsession with remaining Jedi and her facial reactions and expressions are really showing us that there's some sort of trauma that was linked towards the Jedi, not just anger or hatred, more so sadness, and I'm curious to see where that story may lead. So, I feel her over-obsession with Jedi doesn't seem as sincere as perhaps Vader, in the name of pure revenge, but rather to find someone that she knew who might still be out there. We get some Jedi Academy vibes, as Kenobi uses the Force to distract two troopers with a noise so that he can get away. I used to do this in the games all the time, and it's just really fun to see. To Riva's failure, Leia won't reveal any information anything that she may possibly know about Force-sensitives and their locations. So she's strapped to a type of apparatus that will torture her, reminding me of the one that Han Solo was tortured in at the hand of Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back on Cloud City. As Kenobi makes his way through the Imperial Restricted section, he walks past Jedi from the prequels, frozen in what look like stasis. Now, I think they could still be alive, possibly. They're just stuck in this weird carbonite which isn't really carbonite, it's more like tree sap. The first Jedi that we see is Terra Sanube, the old Jedi who helped Ahsoka find her lightsabers. Some of the Jedi I can't distinguish. One looks like it could be a longer-haired Seer Junda, and the last is a Jedi youngling, of course, still with his training helmet on. So I think Palpatine either has them as trophies, or he's going to use them for experiments on Mount Tantis, or perhaps this is after that and he already has. And he's just going to harvest their blood in hopes that he has a suitable host for himself, Grogu, or for Snoke much later on. Reva is interrupted by the Game of Thrones lady who sends in someone to fetch her just as Leia is about to get hurt. Her cover is blown but plays it like she was playing the Jedi the whole time and reveals to Reva where all of the Jedi are and she promises that he is on Florum. Now originally I was thinking okay she's talking about Obi-Wan but she could also be talking about Quinlan Voss. It is very possible. She feels that this buys Kenobi the time he needs to save Leia, and Reva, of course, doesn't buy it, but is unsure. Now, why she doesn't use the mind probe thing again? Well, I don't know. The next scene is awesome, as we get a reenactment of the Starkiller scene from Force Unleashed, where he quickly takes out the stormtroopers in the darkness. And the only thing visible is his saber when it's on, which illuminates a bit of the floor and surroundings. I absolutely loved this reference and thought that it was really cool and great. As he runs out with Leia, a secret droid spots him and sounds the alarm. This means that Vader now knows Kenobi is here, so he's headed this way. Kenobi uses his lightsaber finally and redirects Blaster bolts back at his enemies, even getting him doing his old Kenobi pose, which was really nice to see. It seems like he's slowly remembering all of his skills and techniques. We see a purge trooper from Jedi Fallen Order. Now, these are superior troopers with only one goal in mind, to take out Jedi. They were like the Inquisitor version of Death Troopers, somewhat. A blaster bolt hits the glass and it begins to shard as Kenobi uses the force to hold it together until it finally breaks. And he redirects it on all of the stormtroopers. So they leave in disguise, which to me didn't make much sense at all. Like, I mean, can't people see that this looks weird or a little bit heaty? with Leia hiding in his trench coat like that. Once Riva discovers him, they're almost terminated when the T-4 speeders arrive and conveniently blast the Imperials. Kenobi, Leia, and the fake Imperial make their way to a speeder as they get away safely, when Riva throws an object at the other speeder and blows it up. Long live Wade. He was a good man. Kenobi gets away to safety, and we see Vader angrily force choke the third sister, Riva as the other Inquisitors watch on in terror is about to end her when she says she let them go. Now Vader releases her and she reveals that she put a tracker on them. So what's this tracker? Well, it's actually Lola, Leia's droid, and we'll see that in a minute. He says that he may have underestimated her, which I thought was out of character for Vader because he seemed so angry just a moment before and I feel that anger wouldn't subside. I feel like he would have taken it out on the stormtroopers or something even if he let her go. He seems to be cutting her, in particular, a lot of slack, and I understand she's one of the main characters, but I'm just wondering if he's ever actually going to fully commit and be completely disappointed with her, or if he's just going to keep doing this. So he walks up to her and she confirms where he goes the tracker will follow. He meaning Kenobi. Vader seems pleased. We end the episode of Kenobi and the crew relaxing on the ship as it sails through space, with Lola's light turning on red, meaning the tracker is active, and the Empire is on their tail. End of episode. Okay, well, it was fun seeing Kenobi use his lightsaber and the Force a little bit again, and being reunited with Leia. Many things bothered me, Vader actually let Kenobi go in the previous episode, this means. Unless, of course, they clarify. And it was all because of the fire. That's so inconsistent with who he is. I really can't stand that. I hope they explain that later on in Episode 5 or 6, but as of now, that's probably the most ridiculous part of the show. The show is so basic in the sense that Kenobi keeps going on an Easter egg hunt or a rat race for Leia. Now, every Star Wars show runs around the same sort of premise and formula older mentor begrudgingly watches over a younger being and has to take care of them and then they become inseparable we got it with anakin and ahsoka mando and grogu kanan and ezra and of course in the bad batch with the bad batch and omega omega I just wish that the show went on a little faster and evolved the plot without so much time wasting on Reva's thoughts or story or anyone else for that matter. Now it's still too early to tell, it may all tie in together. I don't really know, and I don't want to assume, but I just feel like with such limited episodes of six, I really would like to be spending more time on Kenobi, more time on Vader, more time on Anakin. We haven't seen him at all really, and you can't really count that. Little cameo for two seconds in episode three. Which was pretty cool to see, I gotta say. I want to focus more on Kenobi and I want to see the Empire's point of view. But we don't really need to see it from Reva's point of view. We can see it from Vader's point of view, actually. The Game of Thrones lady hitting the Stormtrooper with an open palm was really unbelievable. And it just kind of took me out of the scene. But I mean, you know, I am nitpicking, but hey, this is what I do. I'm a Star Wars fan and, you know, that's just kind of the name of the game. Let me know what you would rate this episode out of 10. I hope next week's episode covers more evolution in Obi-Wan's character arc and kind of takes us through Obi-Wan turning into the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, the very hopeful and powerful version of himself. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for watching this breakdown, and I hope to see you all in the next Watch Party. Stay tuned for the many videos that I'm going to make covering this episode and my thoughts on intricate little moments in detail as well as lore videos regarding many of the different characters, the Inquisitors, some of the Jedi that we saw, and much more. Until the next episode on Star Wars Theory, remember, my fellow Jedi and Sith friends, the Force will be with you. Always.